replicating the business model, the high standards, the, the need for it in absolute intense uh, security and privacy, I think will prove very, very, very difficult. For the Biden administration, they mm. have their own uh, intent to boost uh, domestic manufacturing capability, especially for the high-end uh, manufacturing industry. But also bear in mind what they also want to do, want to secure for democratic presidential champion election next year. They want to make sure they got enough goodies in the basket. I do not think TSMC wants to put its most advanced production line in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I think the company has been carefully to keep a one-generation gap between its Taiwan core production line and the U.S. production line. The Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Welcome to Chat Lounge. I'm Liu Kun. The Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, or TSMC, a chip manufacturer headquartered in Xinzhou, dominates the semiconductor industry. Statistics show that TSMC accounts for more than half of the total foundry revenue globally. The firm has been in the spotlight recently as it is increasingly part of the tech competition between the U.S. and China. Responding to a request of the American government, TSMC has been seeking to set up factories in the U.S. state of Arizona as well as in Germany and in Japan. Amid its global expansion, what challenges lie ahead for the firm? What does the future of tech hold as it becomes one of the linchpins for an extraordinary power rivalry? Now, for these questions and more, I'm joined by Mike Liu, Vice President and Senior Fellow at Center for China and Globalization, also Zheng Yuanbo, Partner at Plenum China Research, and Mike Basting, Senior Lecturer at Southampton Solent University in the UK. Thank you, and a big welcome to all of you for joining me today for this very important topic. Now, let's start by taking a closer look at TSMC, the company itself. Um, I mean, in reality, TM, TSMC is just a chip manufacturer. It is not even a designer of chips. Uh, maybe let me start with Mike. Now, how successful is it uh, when we consider its manufacturing capacity, tech expertise, uh, product variety, uh, variety, as well as uh, clientele? Quinn, thank you very much for having me here. I look at the TSMC. Actually, it is very successful mm. chip manufacturer with uh, you know fifty percent of the uh, market share in this uh, semiconductor foundry industry. Right. I look at the uh, a few things I really can elaborate is that you know they have a very strong outstanding management team as well as uh, this uh, high quality talent mm. to help them to execute this uh, process well number two i look at some other factors that can be uh, you know they heavily invest in technology in the process development to streamline the uh, the processing technology to make sure they are always ahead of the uh, competition Last but not least, is mm. they are very quite focused on the uh, IP, you know, all the IP, the uh, pattern application. They also work with the partners, uh, upstream and downstream partners, to building up many IP blocks. 
I look at all these uh, factors uh, make them very strong. Uh, But predominant player in the industry.、Mm, indeed. Now, Zheng Yuan, what's your take? I know you follow the company, the industry quite closely, as well as、uh, U.S.-China economic relations. Ah,、uh, yes. Ah,、uh, thank you, Quan. So, yeah, TSMC is a、uh, fab. We call it fab. It's、mm-hmm. a chip manufacturer. Uh, but it's not only a not just a chip manufacturer. In fact,、uh, more than fifty percent of the chips、uh, we're using in the world today. Came from TSMC、mm. every year, and if you look at the more advanced chip products, for example, the the chips used in iPhone or other kind of smartphones,、mm. uh, TSMC's market share is much higher.、Uh, some of them can reach eighty、uh, percent. Wow! So、mm. the development of the semiconductor industry in a in the past thirty years.、Mm. Have gave birth to the kind of business model TSMC was、uh, has been running、mm. uh, because、uh, chip designers Qualcomm and、uh, Nvidia the more familiar mm. names mm. yeah household names in in that space they are as com- competition grow they find、uh, making chips themselves. It's not cost efficient,、mm. not not cost efficient,、mm. and uh, usually it involves a heavy expenditure on、uh, equipment and the manufacturing、uh, personal cost is very also very high.、Mm-hmm. That gives space to specialized chip manufacturer、uh, foundry or fabs,、uh, however you want to call it,、mm-hmm. uh, like TSMC and also、uh, SMIC in China,、mm-hmm. and Samsung also has its own. Fab. Chip manufacturing mm-hmm. capability. Mm-hmm. Samsung and Intel were the only two that does chip、uh, does the whole supply chain、uh, process、mm-hmm. from designing to final product packaging.、Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, which includes the manufacturing of the chip. But、uh, Intel, I think, dropped out of the line、uh, at a fourteen nanometer、uh, process node, and、uh, Samsung is、mm-hmm. probably the. Only main competitor remaining in the market these days who has uh, a somehow comparable technical capability in terms of chip manufacturing compared to TSMC.、Mm. Indeed, the company is quite、uh, found itself quite a unique position within the supply chain. Now,、uh, Professor Bastian, what's your take on you know how successful the T- TSMC has been in the market? Well, obviously the numbers speak for themselves. I mean,、mm. it dominates the the market.、Um, its market share is fifty percent, if not more. I think one needs also to be added here is that TSMC、um, have invested huge sums, huge sums, billions, and not just in the short term. So, so we need to go back four decades or more to the roots of, of T- TSMC and in Taiwan. So、mm. they, they, this is a long-term game. This isn't something that's just happened overnight. So they've been investing hugely for a very, very long time. Much much longer than some of the other companies that have been mentioned, Qualcomm, Intel, for example.、Mm. So they've really had a focus、uh, for four decades or more, and a real intent, real strategic intent, with huge sums of money、uh, that have that have channeled that that have gone into to building this this operation, which is built on advanced technology and and employing、uh, extremely skilled research scientists. Who, who themselves are focused and have been trained, and, and it's led by their leader, who himself is a you know, a doctorate, very very highly qualified in <laughs> electronic engineering as well. So it, it really is something that 
it's very, very difficult to see a competitor rivaling them in the short term, such as their dominant position, which has been achieved over a very, very long period of time. So any other competitor has really got to look long term as well over you know, several decades before they can perhaps get, get even close. Mm. Indeed, if if you look at you know the history of the company, especially uh, the career of uh, its founder Morris Chan, uh, the fact that he came back into the uh, management position uh, in twenty eighteen, if my memory serves me correct, is quite amazing. You know the, how the company has uh, has become one of the leaders in the industry. Now, I think Mike earlier talked about you know some of the factors that have contributed to TSMC's. Uh, uh, leading position in the semiconductor supply chain. Uh, but I do want to ask again, uh, Mike, how big the factor uh, that a TSMC adopted the foundry model has contributed to its success? Well, I, I look at the foundry model is really a very innovative approach mm. uh, pursued by Morris Chan, the founder of the uh, TSMC. I look at the way is uh, they disrupt the industry. If like you know, if I go back to before they started this uh, TSMC back in 1980s, right? Mm. They used to be you know all the you know value chain, all these uh, players uh, just vertically integrate and uh, they work under one roof for from all the process. Mm. So they realize, you know, because uh, Morris, they, he has this vision how to focus on just on being the contract manufacturing and uh, to do the foundry model. So that will enable him to work uh, with the various uh, partners in the industry, rather, rather than one one or two portfolio, you know, that's uh, uh, he had been working on. So I look at that's a quite innovative idea and the breakthrough. And uh, if I look at today, that's mm-hmm. really attribute to the success of uh, TSMC leadership position as of today. Mm. Uh, with the, the model of TSMC, which side is becoming more important uh, or they are equally important, I mean, between uh, the chip designers and the chip manufacturers? Mike? I'm not going to say which side is more important. I would say that's a different uh, skill set, a different mm. focus, right? So I was saying, you know, each side, if you look at in today's industry, everybody, they have uh, their core competence, it's about how to do your job well, and then you have a friendly ecosystem to work with the partners, so then you will have end-to-end you know, capabilities. Mm. Okay, uh, what about Zheng Yuan? What's your take? Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with Mike that uh, the entire semiconductor uh, supply chain is long and uh, is spread out to a great intensity. Mm. But if you look at the uh, TSMC it does have some uniqueness in the capability. That's a result of its focus mm. on the contract manufacturing side. Mm. And uh, let's just say this: whatever kind of chips, especially in terms of uh, consumer product and advanced consumer product chips, mm. without TSMC, you will definitely see global panic of supply shortage. <laughs> mm. And uh, I think. Yeah, I think the dependency is making TSMC unique, but the the, the two industry uh, knots are interlinked. Mm. I think TSMC also needs upstream designer, chip designing companies to give it 
demands, and they also need downstream packaging and the testing companies mm. to make those products, those chips, to produce uh, marketable mm. and uh, place them into products. So this, this is a long supply chain, and the companies are interlinked to a incredible extent. Mm. And uh, yeah, right. The chat lounge. The chat lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. As one of CGTN Radio's most popular programs, World Today provides listeners with a strong mix of international news and business. It delivers in-depth analysis of current affairs and one-on-one interviews, bringing you the stories behind the news, not just what's happening, but why. Welcome back. This is Chat Lunch on CGTN Radio. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. Now、uh, let's take a look at some of the details of、uh, the TSMC recent expansions、um, in the United States、uh, and how it is related to the chip policy of the United States, especially the Biden government.、Uh, the Biden government has introduced the Chips and Science Act,、uh, which is, has become quite the talk among international media outlets in the past a、uh, few months. Now, Professor Bastian, what do you think the fundamental purposes of the U.S. government to introduce this act? Well, obviously, what、mm. what Biden and his administration are trying to do, and the Americans generally are trying to do, is, is reduce、uh, the the reliance on TSMC、uh, and their production facilities you know, coming from Taiwan, and are trying to, in effect, invest in、uh, some sort of American alternative.、Uh, and this is just a stepping stone to to that. So I think that、um, it, it clearly is a obviously America putting America first. I mean, it's understandable. And trying to build their own semiconductor industry where where they they lag behind. So so this investment and and, and giving favourable sort of financial terms to TSMC to invest in in parts of the US is something that shouldn't be a surprise. And I think something they will push for more and more. I mean to actually pass an act. Uh, again, through you know, legislation to actually make this happen、uh, speaks volumes.、Uh, I, I think the that there will be a, a huge issue. If you look at the interview in the New York Times recently, that、um, TSMC leader has made it very, very clear that you know, actually transferring what they do, their operation wholesale、mm. from Taiwan into the U.S., I think will, will be very, very problematic. Though I think there's a lot of,、uh, shall we say, speed bumps ahead, and it reminds me in many ways of the. The global or the international expansion of Japanese brands going back to the sort of 1980s and 1990s, and then、mm-hmm. the car industry, where they invested very, very heavily in production facilities outside Japan, but they retained control, very, very close control of their core operations, their core、uh, business operations and skills、mm. um, at home, and I think that's what will happen here. Mm, right、um, now, Mike, what's your take? What do you think the the fundamental purposes of the U.S. government to introduce this act, and how much has it to do with the competition, the tech competition between U.S. and China? 
Well, I look at the, you know, if uh, look at officially, uh, U.S. government, of course, uh, you know, they have saying they want to strengthen the uh, competitiveness in the semiconductor industry. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, everybody understand this underlying, you know, objective for the policy is address the competitive pressure from China as China, the rise of China economy, the economic power, manufacturing capabilities, so on and so forth. That really make a U.S. Uh, government very nervous, right? Mm. So I look at the uh, obviously this is uh, just uh, aiming to figure out a way how to uh, contain or slow down the growth of the uh, Chinese economy. Mm. Now, Zheng Yuan, do you have something to add? Yeah, I think it's understandable that uh, both countries, and this actually not only U- United States, you. Uh, European countries are also mm. trying to attract more uh, semiconductor production capacity on their soil. And uh, I think this is a global trend because how stretched out this supply chain is, is somewhat natural for countries to feel insecure mm. with a sheer amount of reliance on the fabs like TSMC, who basically put its most advanced capacity on the island of Taiwan. That's a natural policy reaction, but uh, it remains to be seen how effective it will be mm. for the Chips Act. Uh, the the U.S. government has just started to giving out grants this year, so in the next year and the running up years, we'll have a lot of actual data mm. to. Evaluate whether that's an effective、uh, policy choice.、Mm, indeed, it will be interesting to you know to see how the figures、um, play out. But、uh, Professor Bastian, did the did the COVID nineteen pandemic made uh, make um, you know the pain of reliance on TSMC chips globally more acute? Oh,、uh, sorry. Yeah,、mm. uh, I think without doubt. I mean,、mm. the, the pandemic had an effect on all of us, and, and perhaps lasting effect. So, so most definitely, yes. And, and I think it was a bit of a wake-up call that、uh, the Americans and others, and, and, and the, as the panelists said, the Europeans、uh, are also very, very affected here.、Mm. It was a wake-up call, and, and the, the, there was a realization that TSMC have really cornered the market and positioned themselves so strongly that.、Uh, It needs to be addressed somehow. Working with them or, or getting them to invest in European countries—it's no surprise that Germany has been mentioned,、mm. uh, as you'd expect. So I think the pandemic did have a huge impact. Yeah, I think one thing I just wanted to add about、mm. TSMC, and I'm a firm believer in this as a sort of marketing and branding person、mm. uh, by nature. <laughs> I think their success has not just been based on their. Their sort of technological brilliance and and their, their research scientists and their commitment. It's also been very very good marketing skills. They work very closely with their business customers, and, and are very very precise at understanding、mm. specifically what they want. What's what's the, unique the about deal and testing the products?、Mm. So I think that is that that is a fundamental、uh, part of their core competence: understanding their customer, their business customers, and delivering what. These really needed.、Mm. Mike, how has the U.S. restriction on chip exports to China impacted、uh, TSMC? I, I look at the impact come in uh, f- uh, three areas. Number、mm. one,、uh, if I recall all the numbers,、uh, TSMC has roughly around fifty percent revenue from China. Fifteen or fifty. 
50, 5-0. Okay. Yeah, 50% uh, uh, revenue from uh, China. And uh, if we look at the, this uh, 50% uh, for a company, even with the uh, TSMC size, is still very scary. Mm. And uh, how to figure out, uh, you know, diversify strategy and to avoid this uh, geopolitical uh, risk, it become a immediate mandate for the management to make a decision. Number two, is uh, given the uh, Taiwan is also in a very hot spot, you know, in mm. this uh, Asia geopolitical, you know, crisis. I look at the ultimately for TSMC is uh, it, it is in a very immediate, you know, threat to figure out how they can diversify their business portfolio, manufacturing location, as well as uh, how to get more additional revenue, you know, mm. from other markets to make up the shortfall because uh, of this uh, policy restriction. Zheng mm. uh, Yuan, what's your, what's your study on this area? Uh, how has TSMCB been, um, been impacted by these restrictions? Well, I think the most direct impact is the Chinese fabs uh, and the Chinese manuf- uh, chip manufacturer and designers cannot uh, contract TSMC directly at, mm. uh, at the moment. Mm. And the uh, but the, the company does retain some production capacity in China. And uh, if you look at the direct numbers, the annual uh, China is about uh, 11% of TSMC's direct uh, revenue mm. uh, as per 2022. But if you look, uh, take account other indirect factors, mm. for example, TSMC manufactured chips for iPhones, you consider that kind of indirect demands, the, the revenue share of uh, Chinese mainland is definitely higher. Mm. And I think the company is relatively lucky and is as also as a result as is a good relationship with both the U.S. and the mainland mm. that uh, the U.S. has previously issued some license for its continue working with the mainland market. Right. And But the, the outlook, I would be not very optimistic. First, we are in a downward cycle in terms of uh, smartphones and uh, the, the kind of advanced consumer electronic products. And uh, the demand in the uh, mm. demand for semiconductor for the next couple of years might be uh, more reliant on industrial chips and uh, chips for uh, like a, a new electric vehicles. Mm. And those kinds of chips are not as advanced as TSMC's uh, advanced uh, consumer electronic chips. Mm. So TSMC will definitely face more of a domestic competition uh, from from companies like SMIC, especially in the 20A nanometer uh, process node. Mm. So uh, I'm if I have to make a bet, I would bet the TSMC revenue in terms of percentage from the Chinese mainland will go down a little bit in the next couple of years. Mm, right. Well, thank you all for putting uh, these figures into perspective. Let's take a closer look at the Arizona factory. According to a recent report by the New York Times, uh, talks between U.S. government and TSMC about starting a plant in America started way before, uh, most likely in 2018 when Donald Trump was still in office. And the plan continues till this day. Professor Bastin, what does the U.S. government uh, want from this plan? And uh, which side do you think benefit more from the plan, the U.S. government or TSMC? 
I think what, what does it want in the short term? Obviously, a boost for the, for the economy, particularly those the regional economies. Mm-hmm. So looking at areas of the United States where uh, the, there is a need for for an economic boost. So I think that's partly where Arizona comes to the fore. So I think that's that's really, as you said, this, this policy started quite some time ago. Also being a player in you know, what is a strategic industry, the semiconductor industry really underpins just about everything we do when it comes to electronics, which dominate people's lives, obviously accelerated by the pandemic as well. So I think it's a, there's a short-term boost for the local economy, but a much, much more important long-term boost for the American economy and wanting to remain one of the most powerful economies in the world. Uh, and I also think looking long-term, they are looking to learn from TSMC and, and to help build their own uh, very nascent semiconductor industry in America as well. So TSMC does have competitors, but as we've established, they, they're a long way behind. Mm. And the Americans want to catch up and want to catch up soon. So I think that those are the obvious benefits. Uh, I'm not sure that they've really thought through how this is actually going to happen, though. So I think it's still a lot of work left on the table to, to, to sift through the detail here. But uh, mm. obvious short-term and long-term benefits. My name is Alessandro Golombievski Teixeira. I'm a professor of public policy management at Tsinghua University in Beijing. I am a great listener of The World Today. In my opinion, The World Today is one of the best China radio programs. In The World Today, we can get the best news and analysis in what is happening now in the world. So please, come to join us. Hello, I am Dr. Digby James Wren, a political analyst and international relations scholar specializing in China area studies. World Today offers unmatched in-depth perspectives on China's politics, economics, business, technology and society. World Today's team of reporters and contributors provides valuable information from all of the world's major economies. I hope you can join me on World Today for the very best insights and news from China, on China and help to build a better understanding of China's role in the world today. Welcome back. This is Chat Lunch on CGTN Radio. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. Continue with our discussion. Now, uh, Mike, what's your take? Which side do you think benefit more from the plan, the U.S. government or TSMC? Well, I, I look at it. Obviously, uh, for the Biden administration, they mm-hmm. have their own uh, intent to boost uh, domestic manufacturing capability, especially for the high-end uh, manufacturing industry. But also bear in mind what they also want to do, want to secure for Democratic, you know, presidential champion election next year. They want to make sure they got enough goodies in the basket. They can show to the, uh, uh, those, uh, you know, domestic uh, economy policy and show how things can be working well, right? I look mm. at it, it definitely can have a uh, you know, huge impact to boost the uh, U.S. domestic uh, uh, industry business. I look at some benefit, uh, obviously, for the U.S., uh, this is also quite significant to retain those uh, the, the talents as well as uh, these uh, high-end domestic chip production capacity in the mm. U.S., 
Right. Uh, on the other side, for the TSMC, uh, I think they can, uh, you know, expand the uh, global market share. Obviously, you know, if uh, with uh, this uh, uh, export control, they have uh, less opportunity in mainland China. They look at how they can stay closer with their U.S. customers and they increase their uh, the domestic business in the U.S. market, right? So mm-hmm. that's how they can uh, try to minimize the downfall for the revenue. But is it really worth for TSMC to build a plant in Arizona? Because according to this New York Times interview uh, with Mark Liu, um, he said that the, the chip that uh, TSMC is going to manufacture and sell from the Arizona plant is less advanced than it uh, manufactures in, in, in the base in Taiwan. And the U.S. customers might not be willing to pay for these chips. I I really I look at this very political uh, mm. the take. Yeah, mm. I look at the, according to the plan, the Arizona factory will start uh, supposed start next year, but uh, have been delayed for a year. Mm. Start with a five nanometer, and uh, by two thousand twenty-six, twenty-six will be the. Uh, three uh, nominated, right? <laughs> so in the, of course, in Taiwan, we'll have the uh, two nominator by probably end of this year. I look at all these things is, uh, technology-wise, I look at it really depends on what the products you will line up. If mm. you look at maybe iPhone, and mm. if you look at the uh, electronic vehicle or the, or the car industry, automobile or energy sectors, so they, I look at this uh, three or five will have a good enough capability to fit the U.S. market. So mm. I think uh, Mark maybe try to have a balance, you know, between, you know, he don't want to be perceived uh, to lean to, too much towards to the U.S. side, right? Mm. That's how I do it. Right. Well, politically, uh, certainly it will become uh, convenient for the Democrats um, in the next uh, campaign cycle. But uh, Zheng Yuan, what's your take? Do you have something to add? Uh, I pretty much agree with uh, both gentlemen, and I mm. just want to briefly add. So it's essentially a risk premium that the United States and the TSMC is paying for the changing context of geopolitics, mm. and uh, especially given that is uh, all countries are now feeling much less secure mm. uh, from a strategic and long-term perspective to relying on the global supply chain. Because mm. if you want to minimize the cost, a global supply chain is the way to go. But this, they are certainly they're becoming more risk-aware uh, and the uh, the willingness to pay for that mm. and including uh, making companies to pay a higher premium for that is higher. So I think that what's underlying is the shipment for geopolitical perception of the supply chain in semiconductors. Indeed. Insecurity, that's one of the key words here, I think. Some of the main challenges that the TSMC Arizona plants are facing include a lack of talents, high costs, managerial challenges, as well as cultural tensions. Um, the plants are uh, declared, as uh, already been mentioned by Mike, that it will delay their start date by a year to 2025. If we take a look at the model as a whole set, um, uh, is a TSMC Taiwan plant replicable in Western economies like the U.S., Germany, where uh, TSMC has just a declared investment? Professor Bastin, what's your take? 
In short, I think it will be very, very challenging. Obviously, the, mm. the, the cultural environment, very, very different, uh, and not just the, the West, but Germany is very different to America. So replicating the business model, the high standards, the, the need for in, in absolute intense uh, security and privacy, I think will prove very, very, very difficult. And, and I think in America in particular, uh, in the short term, I think in the longer term, yeah, things can change. Everything can change, and and, and people and and managerial cultures can develop and, and and become perhaps more similar. But I certainly think in the short term, that's a major major headache for for TM, TSMC mm. uh, and 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 the Americans in particular, and that the Americans generally want to do things their way. So I think it's going to be a huge obstacle. Mm. Now, uh, Mike, what's your take on this question, and especially on the part of uh, you know the managerial challenges? Because earlier you mentioned that TSMC, although it is as only a small army of uh, workers in Taiwan, the management team is rather good at their jobs. Well, I I look at the, there will be a huge uh, the uh, challenge on the ground. You know, mm. although you know from a. Uh, and the Biden administration or even the uh, Morrison, they declare, well, that's uh, investment. Uh, they are putting in Arizona. But uh, from uh, the uh, underground, I look at the managerial challenges, well, come a lot of the cultural differences or lifestyle differences or different the uh, skill set. Mm. You know, sometimes we maybe oversimplify, well, this is maybe a skilled worker issue. Mm. But uh, if you look at the yeah, people in the east side, even in Taiwan, people have a very long, you know, working hours. People don't have a complaint, right? Mm. The expectation <laughs> is uh, get the job done, follow your boss, and uh, try to as uh, flexible as possible to make sure production is on schedule. But uh, if you look at the in a culture environment in the West, in the US specifically, people have a very clean, clear car between work and life, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think uh, you can ship the factory just a copy paste and put it in <laughs> Arizona. Those things will. Uh, you know, just go away. I don't think so. I think they have to figure a way. Maybe they have to invent, reinvent a hybrid model, you know, mm-hmm. to have a more uh, robustic, uh, maybe the uh, automation, you know, process. Use more robot rather than human to mm. make sure they have this uh, production resilience, right? Mm. So certain things I don't think culture-wise cannot be uh, replicated. Uh, certain things technology can come in play to replace, and certain things they just have to uh, live with it and figure out how they can uh, optimize their own management process, right? Mm. Because the major job for them is they create the local jobs. They cannot get rid of all those uh, local hires in Arizona. So I think they will take some time. Uh, Zheng Yuan, is the, the, the TSMC Taiwan plant rec- uh, replicable in these Western economies? I think there are difficulties mm. uh, in terms of uh, the workforce, in terms of uh, kind of regulation. That, but I tend to think uh, mm. it's transitory. Mm. If you have a three to five year runway, uh, much of them can be improved. Mm. But I do not think DSMC wants to uh, put its most advanced production line in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I think the company has been uh, carefully to keep a one-generation gap between its Taiwan 
core production line and uh, the US the US uh, production line. That's and interesting. That's, mm. uh, yeah, and the promised U.S. production line, actually. Mm. So, uh, and uh, there are uh, calculation around the the kind of uh, industri- demand in the industry. There are also other kind of strategic uh, calculation. Mm. The, the companies rooted in the island of Taiwan and now, uh, yeah, Zheng Yuan, I just migrate. Uh, I just want you to elaborate more on what you said. Uh, the TSMC does not is carefully. Try not to put the most advanced tech uh, chip manufacturing uh, in Arizona. What what are their considerations in this? I mean, first, you know, the most obvious one that the, the island's leadership will have mm. a different idea mm. about that choice, mm. and uh, everyone thinks TSMC as a Taiwanese company these mm. days. If mm. it move. A, a parallel production capability to the United States. Mm. Uh, you know, it insists of being a Taiwanese company, mm. and if uh, it's very natural for the island's leadership have political concerns over that, and they might even have some strategic concern over that. If uh, the, mm. they might think TSMC is a critical leverage to deter some of the risk uh, in the cross-street relationship. Mm. And because the company also have a bulk of supply chain and uh, demands in the Chinese market, it's planning a balancing role uh, among uh, mainland and Taiwan and mm. the, the, the United States, in, especially in this very co- complicated and uh, <laughs> increasingly complicated uh, international environment. Mm. So uh, having a fundamental structural change of the role uh, of TSMC, I don't think serves anyone's interest. Mm. Now, uh, Zheng Yuan, in a speech delivered at the TSMC uh, Arizona plant in December last year, Biden boasted about what the American government has achieved by this plant, for example, jobs, economic resilience, and U.S. competitiveness. I mean, in reality, how many jobs can this plant create for local economies? We don't know. The, the, the U.S. government mm. uh, actually yesterday said uh, in the one year after it announced its uh, industrial mm. subsidy package, the Chips Act, mm. Companies in this industry has announced plan to invest more than 160 billion in the United States to expand their production capacity. Mm. But those are numbers you, those are promises and a thought that you gave when mm. you are applying for industry subsidies. Mm. You don't know how big a portion or small a portion of it will be implemented in the end. Mm. And I think uh, that it has a lot to do with the global economy. If the economy, if the macro economy environment is bad, mm. and if there's a downward cons- consumer cycle, which people are seeing uh, a chance of happening mm. uh, this year and next, there are data to back it up. Consumptions are down and the credit card loan, uh, credit card balance are rising. Mm. So if that kind of scenario happens, it will taper the demand and the company will rethink how much to invest in the United States and how much to invest anywhere. Mm. Right, indeed. That's uh, it's a very complicated uh, question. But uh, still, uh, Mike, what's your observation on, on this? Uh, how much, how many jobs can the Arizona plant cr- uh, create for local economies? And what does it really bring to locals? 
Well, at least some paper is mm -hmm. saying it will create the uh, 1,900 direct jobs there, mm -hmm. and uh, also some indirect jobs as uh, in the ecosystem supporting well roughly around uh, 8,600. So total add up is about roughly around uh, 10,000 people, you mm -hmm. know, jobs in Arizona. I look at in the current U.S. economic environment is uh, quite uh, at least same impressive on paper but uh, however they have been maybe you know under uh, under nine or undermine uh, certain uh, limitation as well as the uh, challenges given the uh, as i mentioned earlier the uh, different lifestyle different cost structure and complexity on the how to execute this plan right mm. uh, so all of this will also come in play to have some side effects later on right mm. and also i tend to agree with uh, the uh, ball also saying right mm. if i look at all this uh, plan on paper it's very much uh, figure out as an equation to figure out who will chip into the subsidy from a uh, uh, local government as well as a state government, right? Mm. So you don't know what really will happen and you don't know uh, how long this will happen. Uh, this, uh, you know, I see uh, after one year, they are running into so many problems. I don't think this is the first time we will hear one year delay. I mm. anticipate to hear more as uh, things uh, go into a uh, execution phase. Mm, right. A lot of uncertainties here. The Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Also in the interview with the New York Times, Mark Liu said uh, he rejected the notion of uh, Silicon Shield, which is a term used by Taiwan leaders Tsai Ing-wen to stress Taiwan's powerful semiconductor industry and its importance to the global telecommunications industry. Um, talking about cross-strait relations, Mark Liu said here, quote-unquote, it is really up to the U.S. and China. How do they maintain the status quo, which both sides want? Um, now, Professor Bastian, how do you evaluate the consequences to global tech development, you know, when politicians start weaponizing their own tech advantages? Well, I tend to echo what the other panelists have said, and I've said earlier that mm -hmm. when you, you talk, you use language such as weaponize and politicians start talking and, and trading blows, it, it tends to... To, to leave everyone worse off. You know, it might mm -hmm. be a short-term gain uh, on one side um, compared with the other, but, but in the long term, everybody generally loses. So, so I think Mark Leo has been very, very uh, sensible here in saying really it's up to it's up to the political leaders, you know, the US and China, maybe others, to actually get around the table and realize that they can already help each other mm. and, and not put up trade barriers. And it's in everyone's interests going forward, economic interests for, for that to to continue. So it, mm. it can be very, very destabilizing. And you know, it's obviously tit for tat trade trade wars that, that can escalate. Uh, and, and again, leave everybody worse off. So mm. I, I think it's a realization. I think it's really the ball lies in the Americans' court here. Realization that you, you've got to work uh, with partners, and these are opportunities, not threats. You mm. know, China is an opportunity, not a threat. Uh, and the Americans are going to have to realize that they are not the sole uh, superpower, the sort of economic um, sort of. Uh, 
ultimate power globally mm. and, and the others are really going to be around that table uh, going forward. So I think Mark Leo's position is very, very sensible in, in stepping out of that debate and just encouraging dialogue, which I think is what he's doing. Mm. Well, that getting uh, you know leaders uh, on all sides to really to the table and talk is certainly the hope. Uh, but uh, Mike, how do you read these words by Mark Liu? And um, what do you think managers and t- caretakers of TSMC want in this U.S.-China rivalry? Well, if I take a short one, I look at from a management perspective, they want the uh, have. Uh, the uh, responsibility to deliver shareholder value, to grow revenue, to have a peaceful life, have a happy family, have uh, all this good life, right? <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, the company is caught in this uh, geopolitical environment, as well as I, you know, look at the one of a uh, great point uh, earlier, Paul also mentioned is that, you know, maybe some perception on TSMC is not right. This is not uh, really a Taiwanese company, but a global company, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever insensible moves by any politician or any party in the world will create a damage not only for Taiwan, China, or US, but for the entire semiconductor industry in the world, right? Mm-hmm. I look at that. That's definitely uh, for when Mark said this, uh, what you just put in the code, I don't at the, he is very obviously have say you guys got to be uh, careful whatever you do mm. and uh, make sure you have this uh, huge responsibility for the world right mm, indeed now Zheng Yuan how do, you, how do you read Mark Liu's words and what do you think TSMC wants at this point I think as a business as oh. animals think it should be maximizing profits mm-hmm. uh, and as uh, TSMC is not alone in this walk of life, and you see companies, uh, hundreds of com- four hundreds, uh, more than four hundred company applied for the Chips Act, and right. they are in process of applying uh, subsidy programs from other part of the world. Uh, this this is natural, mm-hmm. and uh, but uh, in terms of it's a long time, and uh, if you take non-financial factors. Mm. Uh, into it. TSMC actually wants a feasible production mm. share in the United States and it wants a moderate uh, production distribution in the United States and the European combined. And But it does not, I don't think the country, uh, the company wants to fundamentally alter its distribution of power. And uh, it's also certainly of the company's interest that if we can re, uh, retain mm. this tap into the Chinese market, mm. yeah, I think I think that's it, it wants it all, mm. and uh, I think that's very natural. Um, Zheng Yuan, you talk about TSMC and the market in the Chinese mainland. I mean, how important is the TSMC Taiwan base to both the U.S. economy and the China market? Let's say uh, if the TSMC. Move entire of the entirety of its production mm. to the United States. It will have much uh, more difficulty in re- obtaining license to s- continue the service to the Chinese uh, clients and the Chinese markets, mm. and that that's a direct impact. And uh, and uh, for, for for the Chinese market, there's no alternative to a lot of that uh, mm. production. And uh, although the country is 
is in the process of boosting the domestic industrial capability, but there's a considerable uh, lens to mm. go through before mm. it can meaningfully downsize its reliance on TSMC. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what, what's your observation? I mean, how important is the TSMC Taiwan base to both the US market and the China market? Well, I look at the uh, never be very important and look mm. at that because uh, both market are world largest and most advanced, uh, you know, the uh, largest market economy, right? And also TSMC has been the largest and the most advanced country manufacturing of chips, right? Mm. So I, I look at for U.S. market definitely that will help uh, the, uh, the those biggest uh, U.S. tech companies such as Apple, Qualcomm, MD, all these companies to rely on TSMC cutting edge chip technology capacity to, you know, to uh, produce a better product and services. Also, this gives uh, the U.S. Uh, much more uh, moral boost in terms of uh, how they can continuously maintain its uh, technical uh, leadership position in mm. the world as well as uh, in the innovation side, right? And for the Chinese market, as uh, also mentioned, I look at where short term will create a lot of crisis, as mm. what we have seen last uh, 12 months or so. And because uh, it uh, produces... Uh, uh, chips for major Chinese tech company like Xiaomi, Huawei, Oppo, all these companies. Mm. And uh, it also helped China bridge its uh, technological gaps and catch up with the U.S. or other rivals. So I look at the short term, the pressure is uh, enormous. And mm. uh, the government has been doing a lot of uh, work to boost the industry, invest in innovation, in startup, as well as in some technology. I look at the uh, recent announcement from Alibaba. Uh, they reveal these uh, new chips with uh, five non, uh, nanometer, you know, those uh, chips. Definitely mm. it's a good, uh, I would say it's an early signal mm. of this investment from the government. Try to narrow the gaps between the China and uh, this, uh, you know, West. Mm. I look at that so definitely is, uh, you know, is uh, have a deep channel away, but uh, catching up to uh, mitigate the gaps. Mm. Right. TSMC Taiwan base is important to the U.S. market and the China market. And it goes the same in the other direction, which means uh, both uh, the, t the world's two largest economies are important for, you know, the TSMC Taiwan base as well as the global chip industry as well. Now, before we wrap up our discussion, I just want to talk a little bit more about what the next generation of chips will look like. I mean, Mike, how do you think the next revolution on chips will happen and which economies do you think are taking the lead? Well, I, I look at the, we'll go into a uh, two direction. If mm. I look at short term in next uh, three or five, even within five years, uh, we have already seen some early signs like, you know, Samsung is already taking lead in three nanometers chips. 
and uh, even for two nanometer chips, uh, IBM they have done it, and mm. uh, TSMC also have done it. And I probably agree. Maybe by 2020-24, whether they can go through a mass production, and uh, also on the other side, you know, as a issue, what we are talking about today is not only happening today, right? We mm. force this from a couple years before, and the Chinese company like Alibaba. As I mentioned earlier, have already announced they have these uh, five nanometer chips already. So if you look at the the three uh, or four core technology or the, in the leading position, very much like uh, U.S., South Korea, uh, the Taiwan, this uh, TSMC, as well mm-hmm. as uh, China. So I look at Chinese company is really catching up with uh, the kind of the, uh, the, the talent, uh, mm-hmm. capital investment, as well as the market, right? Mm-hmm. I look at that's a one dimension. On the other side, it definitely will go beyond these uh, nanometer chips, mm. right? Yes, uh, technology goes. I look at one of uh, beautiful technologies that as it goes, uh, sometimes you consume less energy, produce uh, more uh, superior performance, mm. right? That's how you can have a new uh, chips come in play. Another one very interesting, also fascinating uh, thing in the industry, people talk about quantum chips, Indeed. quantum computing, and how to get the quantum chips in place, right? And look at in the quantum uh, related research, US, China, definitely we are in the leading position, right? Mm. So I look at the many other things, uh, even maybe in 10 years, 5 to 10 years or 20 years, you will see a more uh, neural, uh, more fecal chips is more like neural networks. Mm. How you can make uh, chips even more smaller is like our brain, how our brain works, and uh, you consume less the, uh, the, the, the energy or power and mm. produce uh, far more superior. Uh, performance to support very complex artificial intelligence, mm. uh, automation, this, uh, you know, all the things, right? Well, so I look at that will be definitely maybe, uh, I don't know whether this uh, U.S. export control is a good thing or bad thing. Sometimes when you have <laughs> mm. a certain control in place, you just amplify the power of uh, more innovation come in play. Mm, indeed, crisis sometimes means opportunity. It uh, is opportunity. Yes. Thank you all for joining me for a very insightful discussion. Uh, In the end, we do hope that rationality will prevail and international communication and cooperation in tech will happen more. We've been talking to Mike Liu, Vice President and Senior Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization, Zheng Yuanbo, Partner at Planum China Research, also Mike Basting, Senior Lecturer at Southampton Solid University in the UK. You've been listening to Chat Lunch on CDTN Radio. I'm Liu Kun in Beijing. Thank you for staying with us. Bye for now. I'm Einar Tangen, a political and economic analyst and senior fellow at the independent Taiher Institute. World Today is news without the hype and business commentary that is informed and up to date. 
presenting the facts and asking incisive questions. So join us if you are someone who needs to know what is happening in China as it is happening. Welcome. I'm Ilaf Elard, economics professor and member of the Data Science and AI Center at New York University, Shanghai. On the World Today program, you can find in-depth and impartial insight, as well as critical commentary on key trends in the Chinese economy, financial technology, business, and blockchain. To prepare for the world tomorrow, join me on World Today.